0: Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode five of Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt Rozu. And I'm Jadrian Wooten. Uh, thrilled to have you have you join us again, and glad we're here for episode five. And uh, Jadrian, this is going to drop right before the Super Bowl, but today, first day of classes.
1: Uh, and it was a wild first day of classes. Uh, so I taught my first sports economics course in almost a decade. So that, went, that one was fun. Um, and then my other one was my big principals class with like 500 people. Um, it's still fun, uh, but just a completely different energy to go from like 30 students in the morning to 530 in the afternoon.
0: I, I remember I had a macro class that, you know, 35 was the cap for macro, which is higher than our micro. And I think I let two overloads in, so I had 37. <laughs> and I was like, this is so many students. I yeah. can't even fathom the five well i mean i'm I, as you know I mean it would require it requires a completely different approach
1: yes, um, and I think that that's actually the hardest thing for me is mostly because like I have to change my personality from like the morning to the afternoon where I'm like in the morning I have to I have to calm down, be a little not as big uh um, if I come in with that same energy with thirty people, they'd freak out uh with the five hundred I'm like animated and my arms are moving and all sorts of stuff uh that's the hardest part. So by the end of it, I'm exhausted, but not because of how big the class is it's just because like of just personality changes during the day. That's fair. And
0: so yeah. you are in your office. So I assume it's a non-alcoholic beverage. Do you have a beverage available for today?
1: I do have a, I have a bottle of water. Cause uh, I've decided to start, I need to, I need to do better. So I've downloaded an app to help me track my water intake and make sure that I'm actually drinking water. Uh, you would also appreciate this, my afternoon beverage choice Diet Coke. Diet I like was it. a Diet Coke because I'm also trying to cut back on the amount of sugar that I um, that I do. Yeah. So I, some of that, some of that could be. I came back. My belt loop was a little tighter uh, coming back from that cruise. Coming
0: back from a cruise. <laughs> um, I had four days in Disney, and I, I the average steps I had was twenty six thousand five hundred. Mine, I'm still in dry January and I have become a huge fan. The first one I had of a virgin mule was on our last podcast, but the virgin mm-hmm. Moscow mules, it's kind of like I'm having a drink, okay. but without the alcohol. Um, <laughs> so it's that that I'm ha- that's what my drink is tonight. Um, and those who recall, I had an exception for Disney, so I did have a few. Um, a few beverages in Disney, including a few local Florida beers, which I entered mm-hmm. into Untapped. If anybody's started following me on Untapped yet, and I, I don't think anybody knows.
1: <laughs> which which ones did you check in? I'm kind of curious now. Uh, I have to
0: look it up. Um, uh, one of them you... was at one of them was like exclusive to Walt Disney World uh, okay. Swan. Okay, that wasn't so great. Um, did Did y'all just do Disney, or did you do? universal just disney what arrived on a sunday left on a thursday so we did okay one park a day i've done universal in the past yeah Um,
1: i i'm i'm a i'm a universal i i love universal um disney has its own magic but i love just the themes in each of the universal parks and the fact that like i can go to the simpsons world and like have a duff beer and eat at the taco truck like just like those, like those sorts of little, like my favorite Disney park is Epcot because I can match the food with the place. And so I feel like Universal does that with other stuff. It's funny because, I mean, I always think of theming and I,
0: I think Disney does, a ma- you know, as you say, magical. I think their theming is so strong in terms of, like we went to Avatar Land and they have a mm-hmm. little Avatar style restaurant. And ah, I still yeah. don't know exactly what I ate, but it looked like it could have been an Avatar and it was really tasty.
1: So, yeah, I think it's definitely I think they're, I think they've gotten better about that. And I think my guess is a lot of it probably comes from Universal's, uh, Harry Potter world where like, those were just so overwhelming like experiences that they're like, Oh yeah, we need to probably do this too.
0: Which is a pretty awesome spot. I mean, I don't disagree. I love Universal too. So a couple of the beers, Fins and Feathers, uh, was one from, um, and then, uh, what, Lone Palm Golden Ale from the Cask and Larder. You had some, uh, like, real local craft ones. Yeah, some, some local craft from Florida. Uh, oh, one was Hakuna Matata. And
1: okay.
0: I'm like, okay, apparently that, yeah, that phrase, I guess it's just a phrase. It can't be copyrighted, yeah. but we were, um, that was interesting. So, yeah, I had a, had a few different craft beers over the times, and, uh, well, cheers with your, I mean, I don't know if it's the same with Thank your you. water, but uh. Um,
1: I was able to check in, uh, some local, local, I, I really, call, maybe not local, I guess. in like, like in these types of islands, it's like the national beer of the Bahamas, the national beer of Puerto Rico. Very so cool. I was able to get some, some checks and some badges that like, of actual like new beers that I'm, I'm never going to have again. I had mm-hmm. like the main beer of Haiti. Uh, and so that was, I'll, ne- I'll probably never have that again and I'll never find it anywhere else.
0: That's yeah, that's very cool, though. That's that's cool to get those those local ones. Um, So glad the crew. Yeah. Cruise was good. That's good. Yeah. Um, Someday economics of cruising should be a podcast. It's I mean, it's complicated enough. But today, the the goal, uh, you know, this is dropping a few days before the Super Bowl. Talking a little bit about. The economics behind the Super Bowl and the economic impact of the Super Bowl, given you kicking off your sports <laughs> economics class. This is this yeah. is kind of we feel like we have the expert here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about the expert, but I, I would say it's I it is so I I think it's fascinating in the sense that I don't know if there is a this actually maybe this is a challenge for you. I'm not sure that there's an economic concept or application that like the general public disagrees with economists more than the economic impact of like sporting events stadiums stuff like that i, I know we're not gonna talk about stadiums but like sporting events in general i feel like the general public is like yes let's have a super bowl it's gonna bring in visitors we're gonna make so much money and like <laughs> nearly every economist is like no like no it's not like that like i feel like it's on the on the economist side like almost all economists agree on this and so like you have like consensus among the economists with like disagreement on the other i
0: agree with you on the stadiums themselves Mm -hmm. so i mean the super bowl clearly has an impact for the town that has it right i mean like they bring
1: in a lot of visitors no not really no so okay so here's the thing right so it's so there's like levels to it right so it's like how you measure economic impact so um in a sense, so like the way that I always, I always did it with like the Penn State version. Cause like when, when Penn State football shut down during the pandemic, show, when there was no fans, uh, there's all these people in the news that are like, oh my God, this is gonna ruin the state college economy. Uh, Penn State brings in football, brings in $100 million of revenue, right? That was always the, I think it was $100 million was the big number that they put out. Um, and so like there's like levels to it in a sense, like, I, I like went in and like looked up the data on like when a Penn State football game happened. So we'll we'll go real local, right? So instead of like the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl's always in a major city, right? Like Atlanta, Los Angeles, small in a big pond. So like if it if it's true, then you would definitely expect it in a like a state college example where like Beaver Stadium's twice the size of the city. Um, but like I like I looked it up in like state college, like their regional tourism, like money coming in. Uh, is in the billions, not in the m- millions. So Penn State football said that they brought in a hundred million dollars, but like the city generates billions every year. So like percentage-wise, relatively small. But then the other part is like how that spending actually happens. So we normally think about it as like okay, they're staying in a hotel, they're going to get food and stuff like that. Uh, but what ends up happening? Like there's a lot of people who go to the game, absolutely, right? Like they're coming in, they're going to stay in a hotel. Uh, and they're going to go, but there are a lot of people who just drive to the game and then drive home. They, right. They come just for the game and then they leave. They buy their gas, not in state college. They buy it in Harrisburg, Philadelphia. They drive there. They pay for tailgating, pay for the football ticket and then drive home. But like, they don't buy groceries there. They buy groceries before they buy groceries in Philadelphia and bring them. Uh, they buy their alcohol in Philadelphia and bring it. And so, like, they're not actually spending that much. They might pay for parking. They might pay for a drink, some drinks, maybe some food at a restaurant. Uh, But the other thing, and really the kind of the key big part is, like, if you think about, like, hotel prices shoot up during the Super Bowl. Hotel prices shoot up during college football games. But if you're staying at a Hilton, a big chunk of that money doesn't stay in the town. It goes back to the Hilton headquarters. So, like, hotel rooms might be twice as expensive, three times as expensive. But, like, the maid's... And the housekeeping staff aren't getting paid two and three times their normal rate they're getting paid their general amount and that kind of excess profit leaves the area instead of stays in the area and so it's yeah. like what like the hard part is always like people measure spending and they're like oh look how much money they spent but they don't realize that like a lot of that leaves right like if you shop at, if you go to cracker barrel for your dinner some of that money's going back to the cracker barrel headquarters um, and so, like, that's where, like, that disconnect comes in of, like, how much is spent versus how much of an impact it really makes. So I think I literally agree with every single thing you said. <laughs> but I still <laughs> okay. think there's an impact that's not
0: trivial when Penn State think, hosts a yeah. home football game, right? I mean, there are, yeah. let's say it's 10,000 fans mm-hmm. who do decide, you know what, we're going to grab a meal, either a lunch or a dinner in town yeah. before. And every hotel room is indeed sold out. Mm-hmm. And others might roam the town. And some people yeah. will buy gas in the town. Uh, yes.
1: so I, I think, th- yeah. I, I, to me, 100%, okay. there is an impact. And it's so positive. Got you. Watch but, this. you have, it's you know overstated. This you know this answer, right? Absolutely. There will be people who do that. But in State College, there are also people who live there that leave during a football game. And For they... Rent. We're not even just to rent out, right? Like, they don't want to be around the crowds and see all the people. And so they go, sure. you know what? I'm going to eat my dinner. I'm going to leave and go. They go the other direction. Like, they go to Philly and they're like, let's spend a weekend in Philly to get away from this mess. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, their normal spending moves over somewhere. So it's almost like a, a substitution. Sure. People sure. People will switch uh, those spots.
0: So I have, I've, I mean, I've written a fair amount on economic impact study, more for on issues with fracking. But yeah. The yeah, I and but and I've actually done a couple for higher ed. Mm-hmm. Um, the substitutions are key, right? Yeah. Both directions. So if somebody's mm-hmm. coming to the game at state college, but they were going to come anyway, okay, yep. that's really no impact. If somebody's yep. going to leave on a vacation to Philly, but you know, okay, they were going to go to Philly at some point during mm-hmm. the year, they're just choosing that. That's not really a negative yep. impact, that's just the timing. Um, so I have um, a Super Bowl one. If you just type in economic impact okay. Super Bowl, you'd find it. And we can link to this. It's uh, from the from the most recent one. It was published in October 21 by a firm. Now, one of the big issues I have with economic impact studies, and there's perverse incentives, essentially. Mm-hmm. Some organization, which in this case, I'm sure was the County of Los Angeles and City of Inglewood, as it says it there. Somebody, some of entity of those folks hired Micronomics, um, they have the three authors there, uh, listed Mm -hmm. there, to come up with a study and they're not hiring them to come up with a small number. No, at all. They're not hiring them to do that. And so you've got this really terrible incentive right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not, I mean, there's no peer review on these things. It's, it's, It's PR piece and trying to, Tied into the research, but as, as some of the things that get they get these things always get wrong. One are substitution effects. How much would have happened anyway? The Super mm-hmm. Bowl, I think there's going to be a little bit less than normal. I think you're going to get a lot of people who are coming from out of town who mm-hmm. will go to the hotels, who will go to the restaurants, who will be local that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but some of the some of the other things, there's the question of how much stays in the area what's yeah. the multiple, you know, which the is multiplier. Yeah. The I multiplier, didn't even mention the multiplier,
1: right? right? That's, yeah. that's the worst. I think that's the worst economic concept to teach somebody. So actually, let's, that's a good pause, right? So like one of the big things on a, on a, on impact studies is known as the multiplier effect. And it is the idea I'll see if I can broadly summarize this. And I think I, I think I could do it. Um, if I spend a dollar somewhere, it's not actually just a dollar because when I spend a dollar at let's say I give, I give Matt a hundred dollars for his apartment. Matt is going to take that hundred dollars and spend some more of it. He's going to save some of it, spend some more of it. So my hundred dollars gets multiplied in the economy. Yep. Uh, So that's kind of a, a, I would say a broad way to describe the multiplier effect.
0: Correct. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it on a simple basis, if you saved a hundred bucks next month on gas money, okay, you're a hundred bucks richer. If you spend, um, if you are a, let's say a server at a restaurant and everybody just saved a hundred bucks. Well, you saved a hundred bucks, but because everybody in town has a hundred dollars more, you're going to make more money because there more people are going to come to your restaurant. You're going to get more tips. You're going to get more hours, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's multiplied. Um, the multipliers generally can be overstated. And there's a huge, I mean, this, it gets a little technical, but how many, um, how much what area are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're looking at the economic impact on the state of California, yeah. okay, a lot of it's going to stay within the state of California, but then also a lot of the people traveling to the Super Bowl probably were from California. <laughs> okay, yeah. So all of a sudden that that should just be removed. And a mm-hmm. lot of the studies don't do that. They yeah. will essentially double count the on the specific things. So for higher ed, we're in a rural area. Mm-hmm. In many ways that makes things a bit easier. If we're doing the four-county area, okay, there's not that many people who, if they're at Susquehanna, they would have been at another school in the four-county area. So Mm -hmm. we're pretty comfortable with that. But then if you're saying, what's the impact on the state of Pennsylvania? Well, the multiplier is larger. However, um, many of those students would have gone somewhere else in Pennsylvania. And that's a trick to figure out that people who do it right, it's, you know, can credit that. But some places don't really have the incentive to do
1: it right. And that's problematic. So that's always the tough part about, like you kind of you said, the, the PR side of it. So I, I pulled up the Super Bowl one that you were looking at. And I, I started to laugh in the middle of you talking because I found something in their number that I, I found just, in my opinion, laughable um, as an assumption. And so that's the thing. It was like, these are all built on assumptions. Like what's the multiplier? How much is a hotel going to cost? How long are they going to stay there? Yeah. So if you look at table one, uh, that's the one I started laughing at. Yep, yep. Um, so it says that they'll, they believe there'll be 100,000 out of town visitors, which um, the NFL stadium doesn't even hold 100,000 people. I don't think there's that many people coming just to be in the city of the Super Bowl. Um, you, there's They have like pre-Super Bowl events and stuff like that. But like there's not – I'm not traveling to the city if I'm not going to – I don't want to deal with more expensive hotels, worse traffic at a busy time to not see the Super Bowl. So like those sorts of numbers feel too high. Um, the hotel room rate, whatever. The one that made me laugh while you were talking is that green one uh, where the they actually assumed that the average daytime spending per person per day was $200 on the lower end. And I cannot imagine going on a, because I, tra- right, I travel to football games. I go to all these places. Not counting the hotel room, I'm not spending $200 per day every day on food and like I can write food, gas, memorabilia. I just, and especially like if you thought, like if you think you and your friend are going to go, are the two of you spending $400 per day every day that you're gone? Guess it depends like, where you eat, depends how
0: much you drink, depends think what you buy. Yeah. I mean, it's one. That's
1: one. That's yeah. one jersey, right? I mean, but I think you. So that's the thing is, I think you can spend that. I don't think that that's a true average spending per day. Um, I don't. I, like those. I don't know. I, I.
0: To me, the the hundred thousand seems a bit stronger of an assumption. Hundred thousand yeah. from out of town. That seems like a stronger one. And actually, when I first read that, I thought it was 100,000 hotel nights. And I'm like, okay, yeah. people, yeah, the stadium holds 80,000 and, um, you know, 100,000 hotel nights make sense. But then you look before,
1: they're assuming four, three nights at a hotel yeah. um, for but those 100,000. Right, all hotels. these are built on those assumptions, right? Like if I if I cut down the, this is, actually, this is actually, I think, a perfect example of it. If I cut down that average spending assumption from 200 to 100, their whole economic impact gets slashed in half. Um, And so it's like you get the not even just multiplier effects and like how much that money is changing. You can you can you can blow up this economic impact um, with just like those sorts of assumptions. So that
0: uh, to me, there's both the indirect they they have indirect and induced effects, Mm -hmm. which to me, maybe is that like indirect part two? I don't quite know what they're saying on the induced effects. I have issues with that. Um, Yeah. And I don't know what the right number is quite frankly. Yeah. Maybe that's an accurate number, but maybe not. Um, the one that a lot of studies do that I find just laughably, well, laughable, I guess. I don't know what it, what else to say. I, and this is common across all studies. They're saying, you know, like, hey, we're using, um, you know, we use this software Implant. Implant. Yeah. It's good. Which is basically like saying, hey, you can trust my numbers. I plugged them into I Microsoft plugged- Excel. And so, yeah. therefore, it's right. You know, everything I'm saying is right because I used Excel, and it's it's everybody. And I hate to pick on this one study. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're doing the standard stuff, right? They're trying to say hey, yeah. this is all good because of implant. Um, I, you know, as I'm sure it's going to be a shock to the audience, but I haven't hi- been hired to do an economic impact study in quite a while. With the way I'm <laughs> tearing these apart, Which, right? Like, um, yeah. the places that have been okay with it are okay. This is so super obvious. We just mm-hmm. need somebody to
1: put, you know, like. We'd like an economist to put their name to it, but yeah. Well, so here's the other thing too, right? So like a lot of these are focused on spending, um, which spending on the visitors coming in, right? Because like that's the idea of the economic impact. Um, and like when you give your example of of like Susquehanna, like it it kind of fits in that story. But the other thing that happens is there are a lot of costs of hosting the Super Bowl. So whenever the Super Bowl is in town, like the amount of police that they need just ramps up. So like spending yep. on uh, police services, for fire service, like all of that stuff just goes way up. Those costs almost never get factored in because it's it's spending by the city, but it's not like it's it, that's part of that indirect spending. like, we, we don't look at this on the costs right. of things. And so those are things that just kind of shrink down those numbers. Um, you know, yeah. it's a lot. I The way that I always try to kind of really highlight it is I really pick on the hotel one because I think that's the easiest one is because it's, that money, not all that money stays there. And like a lot of the impact of like the impact studies assumes that the money stays there and multiplies. And like, they don't ever really think about these like leak out effects of like Hilton is sending half of this money back to New York um, as part of their profits of operating a hotel that kind of gets lost in the story. Um, And so I think it's a much smaller impact where it has a real meaningful impact. Uh, So whether it's like the World Cup, whether it's the Super Bowl, like all of these tend to find like it's really it's not worth it because the cities have to bid on it. The the cities are like paying the NFL to let them host it and things like that. Um, The place that like I guess this is going to go back. I think Amanda laughed at this the last time we said it. So hopefully she'll appreciate this again. Um, Economists aren't good with feelings. And like the biggest payoff of Super Bowls, World Cups, Olympics is that it makes people happy. Um, And it makes people happy for a very long time that they're they're, they're really proud that their city had the Super Bowl or the world cup. And like, that's the real, that's the real impact is you get to brag about going to it. If you're a local or that your city hosted it. And, but when politicians fight for those things, they never say, bring it. We're going to be happier. They go, bring it. We're going to improve hotels and restaurants and all sorts of stuff.
0: Well, and and it's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a, to me, sports stadiums are clearly much more negative economic mm-hmm. impact or the any economic impact is way overstated, even if their impact isn't quite negative. Yeah. But there's, this is, I think, talking about um, almost like public choice and government failures. A politician doesn't pay the costs of that, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they of course, they pay taxes like everybody else, mm-hmm. but to be able to build it, it's something they'll absolutely brag about. Yeah. And kind of, you, right, you just need, of you need 50%
1: plus one to like the idea. Uh, and if you if you can get the majority yeah. to think it's cool, go for it. So you know, it's, this, so like, this is actually as a sports economist, I'm very different than a lot of the other sports guys. Like I, I, we all kind of recognize like these are not good in bet as an investment. And right? I think mm-hmm. I've written about this before. Um, I don't like that they're called investing in stadiums or investing in the world cup. Cause like they're very poor investments. I don't have a problem with cities host paying to host it. Like I, there are plenty of things that that cities spend money on that don't generate revenue at all. Um, you, right. Like you could build a park. It's never going to generate revenue. You're not making money off of your city parks. Yeah. Um, so at least if you're going to host a stadium, you're going to generate some money to pay for the costs. Um, I think it's always one of those, uh, I think about like my personal budget. Every dollar I spend is not on investing. I spend some of my money going to sporting events, watching movies, things that are just purely consumptive. Uh, but I don't ever look at that and be like, oh man, that's a, I don't, I don't think was it. like, that's a great investment in the local economy. I'm just like I'm having a good time, so I I am in favor of new stadiums and and stuff like that. I don't have a problem even with with cities spending money on it, mostly because it's not my city, uh, so I don't I don't pay for it. Um, and I like to go to the stadiums, and I like to go to a really nice fancy stadium instead of like rundown RFK Stadium, which is yeah. being torn down. So
0: to build a new publicly <laughs> subsidized or that build yeah. it. No,
1: well they're they're talking they're already about, right? in a
0: different one now. Think,
1: right? Yeah, well they're in um
0: FedEx Field. FedEx
1: Field, which needs to come down. It's also a it's a garbage. Um I don't know if you ever saw this video from the fall. There's like a video of like uh like a pipe burst and it's just like raining down on fans. <laughs> There's a guy with a beard just standing there like, This is it. I went to our I went to FedEx Field last year, maybe, for a preseason game. Okay shocked at how bad that stadium is
0: i was there in 2017 and i don't remember the stadium being awful but i do not go to as many as you do certainly Mm. um but it was uh what i was shocked at as a vikings fan Mm -hmm. and half the stadium was viking maybe not quite half but it was a lot of the stadium it was um i was kind of surprised that and they closed off the upper decks and Mm -hmm. like so little fan support there although i guess i i I know i have a friend here who's a pretty big fan of wash of the commanders and the um i think a lot of that fan base is so disgusted with their owner it's been so
1: i have a i have a theory behind this actually i'm that's definitely part of it i think um but the other part like i noticed this when i go to baltimore so in balt like i would go to the astros games when they played the orioles same thing like three quarters of that stadium was Astros jerseys. Like the first time I went to an Astros Orioles game, I was super nervous. Cause I get, I go to sporting events regularly, but I never really get to see my team. And this was like the first chance. Like I was decked out of my Astros jersey. They hadn't gotten caught cheating yet. Um, <laughs> but so like, I was like super nervous. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be like one person out of thousands. Um, and like, not at all. Like I, I showed up and it's just, it's orange Astros, Astros orange walking into the stadium. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It felt like a little Astros home game. Yeah. And the only, it's a bit right. I've only ever been to the Baltimore one where I can think about that. I have a theory behind it. And my best theory for that is that in the d c kind of that DC Baltimore area, um, I feel like there's not a, I feel like population wise, a large percentage of the people who live in that area aren't from that area. And like, I feel like because of DC, right. There's so many people moving from all these different cities to DC. And like, I feel like if you're born in that area, you, you try to leave. Right. I feel like that's one where people are leaving. And then with all the just political stuff, like people are coming in where I feel like if, if you work in DC, you get a chance, like, oh, your team is in Baltimore. It's going to come team, visit. Yep, yep. You're going to go. Like, I'm yeah, going to yeah. go because my team is there. Versus Whereas, like, you know,
0: Buffalo has far
1: fewer people from around the world, right? Therefore, right, and so, like, Buffalo is just going to get Buffalo fans the yeah, entire yeah. time. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. I've only ever experienced that in D.C. and Baltimore. I never, that's never happened anywhere else I've been. If I go to a Houston game in, I went to a Houston soccer game in Philadelphia. It was, like, there's, like, five of us total out of 20,000, and I was, like, they were mostly nice. Um, I was, I, they didn't throw batteries at me. So that was good.
0: That Yeah. Not having batteries thrown, I think's a good minimum qualification. Hey, Philadelphia Philadelphia's mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard and been warned not to go as an opposing fan. <laughs> so uh, anything more or should we uh, talk about a uh, scholarship here for, for, um, uh papers a paper or two to highlight today.
1: Well, so I was gonna go through um I, so I, I as you were talking earlier, so there has not been a lot of recent updates on kind of economic impacts of stuff. So I was kind of looking through stuff while you're talking earlier too. Um and this is one of those weird things like it almost like 10, 15, 20 years ago, like they kind of settled that these are not that great. Um and then like they really haven't done much since then. Uh Mostly because like there's not any any new data or anything, um, so I, I went through and I I pulled up uh, a friend of mine who is like like the guy in this space. Uh, well, there's two of them, but Victor is like Victor is like the person on economic impacts of sports stadiums, things like that. Uh, so it's Victor Matheson and Robert Boddy. Uh They have a paper. Their kind of key big one um, looks at. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. So it's called. Uh, Padding required assessing the economic impact of the Super Bowl. Uh, They have evidence from host cities from 1970 to 2001 indicates that the Super Bowl contributes approximately one quarter of what boosters have promised and that the game could not have contributed by any reasonable standards for statistical significance more than $300 million to host cities. So like on the top end, right, $300 million. But the problem, and I I think that's kind of what what we were starting with, is like these impact plans the ones that the PR people put out, they're like, we're going to get a billion dollars from hosting the Super Bowl," And then you just start going, yeah, but you're not going to get a hundred thousand people. They're not going to spend $200. Like you start cutting that yeah, stuff yeah, down. Yeah. And so my comment kind of in the beginning was like on the, on the framing side, right? So like, if, you know, if it's 300 million, um, you have like one, we can call it one weekend. Um, that's, I think that's fine. Um, but if I were to look at the GDP, so you can look at, I think it's the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Does GDP buy metro areas? Um, I I think they they may go all the way down to county levels. Um, so the so I, I pulled up just now while we were talking. So granted, these are a little older, right? So like that was 2001 and it was 300 million. So we would have to make some adjustments up. Um, but so I pulled up the BEA's estimate of Los Angeles count let me get sure it's county. Uh, in 2001, tw- sorry, 2021, the GDP of LA County was $711 billion. And so like right on the top end, I don't know, the, maybe we'll round up and say 500 million with inflation, where you got millions out of billions. And I think that's always where like that, in, right, there's something there's there, there is something there. But like, it's statistically significant. It's not economically significant. Then it's just it's like a drop in the bucket, and you're like, yep,
0: yeah, yeah. ooh, we're better." <laughs> and the, and the, and as you say, there's the impact. The impact, and even um, Victor's paper that's talking about the impact and not necessarily assessing the costs that are associated mm-hmm. with it. But,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah, a, yeah. I, I mean,
1: that's the struggle, right? It's like I I want it to be meaningful. Um, I I think we just we forget how much activity happens like every day that we never notice, right? Like we, right? Like uh, your your cars are getting oil changes and people are getting haircuts and the grocery store is selling groceries. And like, all, you're like, it's almost like throwing $100 in a pot over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Like yeah. that's how much money is happening regularly. And like one event looks really important, but is generally really, really small. Let me see if I can find the the Penn State one. And I can, I can tell
0: since we started with that as yeah. my example. Well, while uh, you cool. talk about that, I mean, I'll I'll throw up and for those watching, I'll put it on the we'll put it on the screen, and if you're tuning in, we'll put it into the descriptions. But um, I had a paper published uh, a few years ago, International Advances in Economic Research. It's it's on fracking, but it's guidelines mm-hmm. for conducting economic impact studies. But it goes through a lot of the issues that you do see in these studies that we've talked about there's there's they can be rampant with double counting what is the defined area that you're thinking about um what is the appropriate multiplier um some of the studies some of it's almost laughable you know the the multipliers can range from oh yeah it's 1.6 to mm-hmm. 11 you know like yeah you know no it's not 11 times multiplier yeah. that's not happening yeah. but um so that was some research with uh, Dave Ramsaran, who's a professor of sociology at the time, and he's actually now my boss; he's the provost at Susquehanna. And Dylan Furlano, who's a student at the time of the research, and is now kind of killing it in the killing it in the real world. All
1: right, so I got the I got the data for you. Okay. So this is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, I had the title, and then it disappeared. Um, essentially, so the vice president of Penn State during the pandemic said that the there's a forecast of a hundred million dollar loss to the region um, because they didn't they if they didn't play football or if things were going to um and it was basically like a they basically did an economic impact site and it was like I actually think that it was the Center County Visitors Bureau or the Tourism Bureau was the one that had put it together but right same process they said Here's how many hotels there are. Here's how many people, yep. you know, it's, all, it's always full. Here's the money. And they went through that same process. Um, and I had written a response to that. I was, I was not popular. I'm, it was one of those very dangerous things where you're like, crap, like, I don't, I need to do this. I, I need to say something. Um, because, like, I can't, because right? I, I talked to my students about this. Like, I think people are comfortable with hundreds. I understand what hundreds are. I understand yeah. what thousands are. I can't process millions, right? Like, I don't know what a million dollars looks yeah. like. I don't know what a million people look like. Like, I I think it, we get trapped by a, I can't think of the name of it now, the scale. sure, um, sure. And so I would always tell my students, I'm like, man, a hundred million dollars. You hear that number. You're like, holy crap, that is so much money. Uh, so I pulled up the BEA numbers for, for State College. Their GDP in Center County. So I gave the whole county, not just even the city. Uh seven point eight billion dollars is how much is being produced in that area. And I'm not good enough with num with all the zeros to to factor yeah. it out. It's small. Like it's it's small. Well, hundred million is a little f-
0: over 1% of that, right?
1: Yeah. So that but that's I the don't, argument is like
0: I don't think it's one percent loss. I don't think it was that high.
1: And I don't think it's right, it's it's not that high. And it goes back to that kind of those stories, right? Is like, yes, they're spending that money at hotels but some of that money's not staying at the hotel. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, they, right. They lost a hundred million dollars of spending, but not a hundred million dollars. So like, I, that's what I had brought up. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't as big of a deal as you think. Like, um, you know, a city and a County do so much more than just like a couple weekends out of the year. Um, and so what, like the way that I had phrased it to them, I said, you want to have a real economic impact of what you're studying. It's not missing seven home football games. The economic impact was like not having students come back to campus. Oh, that was brutal. I, yeah. I, that's what I, they, like, nobody was talking about that. They were like, like well, we're going to lose seven football games. And I was like, uh, the bigger deal is you lose 40,000 residents. I go, if, if they're spending even just $5 a day, $10 a day, like you're losing half a million dollars every day of spending, um, that adds up. I like, and students are spending more than $10 a day. Uh, in the yeah. area. I go, you yeah. lose, you lose that, you lose daily spending. But yep. right, that that wasn't the point of their article. So they didn't yeah. want to talk about it. And even when they talked about like, they would lose a hundred million dollars. It was all, they only talked about revenue. They said, they're going to, they're going to lose a hundred million dollars of spending. And I was like, that doesn't matter. That <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't really matter. Like people are still going to get paid. Like you still paid, like coach Franklin still got paid uh, during yeah. the pandemic season.
0: Um Sorry. So I, yeah, so I mean, I guess our take-home message: like, enjoy the game, have fun, enjoy it. Whether Absolutely. you go there, but it's not, it's not this killer, um, Glendale and the greater Phoenix area. Yeah, they're getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost, but it's dramatically overstated in everywhere that we see.
1: Yeah, it's accepting happiness, right? Like, okay. I, I really want to. I, I always want to try to highlight that because, especially the studies that looked at the World Cup and the Olympics, it's not even like a short-term happiness it like it's a long-term happiness like they're happy then and like weeks later months later i think i trying to remember the last one i saw for the london one i want to say that like happiness lasted for like two or three quarters of just like markedly happier people on like just different metrics and stuff yeah. so like people have long-term happiness before it returns back to their normal level um there's also some there's some health benefits like this is going to go completely different. Um, Sports tends to decrease the probability of like suicides um, in some, in like some area there's like trade-offs, right? So like sports tends to increase domestic violence, um, but decrease suicide. So there's a little pro and con side there. Um, But generally like, I think I think the happiness stuff gets undersold. I think we've talked about this when we talked about the GDP episode a couple of times before. We're not good at measuring people's happiness in terms of like value that's created. Um, That definitely has spillover effects, multiplier effect, like those things. I wish we probably knew more about those things than all the other stuff we know about.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. So do you have a pop culture reference in mind that's related to what we're talking about today?
1: Well, so do you want to do, I can do book one or I could do the paper. You, if you want to do the paper one, uh, you can, you get. To, do you, do you know Abdullah and Darshik's paper?
0: Yeah. Using
1: ESPN 30 for 30. You do that one first. I'll tell you my, and I'll, I'll give you my, uh, this, so, I really so, shouldn't call it pop culture, but I'm going to call it pop culture on mine.
0: Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's uh Southern Economic Association. Uh, using ESPN 30 for 30 to teach ac- economics, Abdullah uh Barani and i, I abdullah i'm sure i'm butchering your last name again so i'm sorry and darshak patel um and abdullah we can i think we can link if you're watching on youtube he's got a great youtube channel mm-hmm. uh for those who do, are not familiar with it although i suspect at this point in the podcast many are uh hopefully yeah. down the line uh many you know will be new but um yeah, it's it's using film clips from thirty to thirty to teach economics. But I go to Critical Commons and I type in ESPN, and you know whose name pops up? Yeah, it's yours. It's not theirs. On, it's uh, so, so, I several, can explain several that. Clips, one. Several clips from um, the Broke mm-hmm. series, which I there, I read a I remember seeing that, and I read a book from a uh, Raiders first round draft pick. Okay. The demands on pro athletes for when they get a big contract, oftentimes from family members, is Mm -hmm. so stunningly sad. And I, you know, you get a number of individuals who aren't used to having a lot of money, and it's not like they worked a little bit and learned how to get more and more money throughout their life, and then now they have a million dollars. And many end up going, many end up going broke, which is just
1: a horrendous
0: tragedy. Uh,
1: That is... I haven't watched all of the thirty for thirties. I, I really only watched the ones that I thought I would be interested in. But of the ones I've watched, that to me is one of the most moving ones of all of them. Um, right? Like there's there's like there's extra parts that. Right? So like demands from your family. All of a sudden, like everybody needs a cut of things. People are pitching you business ideas that are not good business ideas. Um, right? You make a million dollars, but like you're not getting a million dollars. You're getting half no. of that with taxes and stuff like that um so you're like you're not getting as much as you think you are uh they most of them only get paid during the season uh so they have some like uh some consumption smoothing problems where they're getting a million dollars in the fall but like nothing in the spring uh so that right the, like they spend yeah. way too much in the fall they don't have it um I'm trying to think about some of the other just like wild things that were in there oh one of the really big ones is actually um it's almost like a conspicuous consumption uh, problem where you have players on your, you have friends on the team that are making 5 million and you're making a million, but like, you don't want to look like the, it's like relative poverty where they're like spending more to like match the other person. Um, So yeah, I, I know a little bit about the background because I had asked Abdullah and Darshik about that paper. of like, why they didn't have clips on critical comments. And they said that, um, when they had written the paper that they had reached out to ESPN to get approval for the copyright because they wanted to try to do it kind of the, the formal way. And like, basically ESPN just like absolutely shut them down. They were like, do not do this. We will sue you. If you put this online, like, because it's owned by Disney. All right. So ESPN is owned by Disney and Disney is incredibly aggressive with their copyright claims. And I will uh, tell
0: you, I've, <laughs> my, I've started economics of star Wars we have it on critical commons. We didn't ask. Um, yep. I mean, Disney, if you want to send a cease and desist, that's fine. I promise you, the three academics who are making zero money off of publicizing Star Wars will yes. will publicize. I mean, come on, this is this is yeah. fair use one hundred and one. Yeah. So, well, you so know, if you say cease and desist, what, yeah. right, we're going to stop. But yeah. um, I don't think they want that news coverage. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and that's what. So that's why they never put them on there. Um, And then the reason you see the ones for broke is because um, I presented at Susquehanna on financial planning and using broke scenes from broke to teach uh, financial planning um, as one of the, one of your teacher workshops. Cecil probably did. I assume it was Cecil, one of her who invited me. Um, Yeah. The 30 for 30 series is amazing. So if you, if you're an economics educator, absolutely download Darshik and Abdullah's paper and we'll link them and everything. Um, It's so fascinating to see the clips that they've matched up. I would love for them to do a second paper because I think they did that like only with like the first two seasons and like ESPN has made more. Um, So I would love to see them do like a a follow up paper to that. It's so good. There's such good stuff. Yeah, Um, I use one of my I use two of them in my sports class. I use um, who killed small potatoes who killed the USFL. Have you seen that one?
0: I haven't so good. So do you remember yeah. the
1: USFL? Like what? the the old one, not the current one.
0: Oh, you when yeah. No, when I Herschel I, Wal- yeah. Yeah, yeah, Herschel Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. Steve Young. Um Yeah. That was just it literally the USFL collapsed right before I was 10 and really started watching football. The first season okay. that I was like I saw game 1 and I was like, "Oh my gosh," how was this not in my life before was when I was 10 years old and that was 86. So
1: So small small potatoes, it's it's a really good one. It kind of goes through like how they set it up, where to go, who the owners were and then where it collapses. So if you read the summary, you'll find out it's actually really funny. Who killed the, do you know Hmm. who killed the USFL or who they, I mean, I know. I mean,
0: if if I'm going to have to guess it's
1: Trump, right? I mean, yeah, it's basically all, but this came out right like decades ago, like this or not decades ago. Uh, This, documentary came out um like way before i mean he, i guess he's been talking about running for president for a while um it came out in 2009 so like it, it's older um but essentially i'll give away the ending um trump became an owner of the generals in new york yep and uh lobbied the other owners to move from a spring league to a fall league and compete with the nfl and then basically they couldn't and then they just made no money, and then had to go bankrupt. Um, so it's it's such a good documentary. And then the second one that I show and I really like is called um, Oh my God, I lost it right in the middle of it. Uh, it's about SMU um, paying players like the the oh yeah yeah. Out.
0: I mean, when they had Eric Dickerson and yeah, uh, uh, it's Craig. called it's
1: called Pony Excess. Uh, so oh, yeah, because they them, were called
0: the Pony yeah. Express. Pony Express,
1: that's so called Pony Excess. Uh, it's all about like how they started paying players and like the collapse of that. And all. So I show yeah. both of those in my class.
0: <sighs> no, that's, this is one that I don't show in the class. I'll give a second example. Um, mm-hmm. A book that, you know, speaking of broke as being a, kind of a moving ESPN 30 for 30, but it's New Money Staying Rich. It's Philip Buchanan, who is a former first round draft pick. Yeah, could add this to look one of your 52 books. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's, it's stunning to me. And I mean, part of me thinks, right, you know, part of game theory is like mechanism design. How do you, how do you set up rules? And so my thought process is like, what can the NFL do to help, help players? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, because if you're a first round draft pick and you live off of 200,000 a year, you should essentially be set for life by being a first round draft pick. Even if you fail miserably in the NFL. Uh, but you hear of the stuff and like grandmother comes by and literally grab the wallet and say, look, just seeing how much you have and pulling out money and just taking it, right? I mean, look, yeah. it's stuff like
1: that. No, are you kidding me?
0: Um, universities
1: have gotten better um, because the NFL wasn't really doing anything. And so I think a lot of the universities started to make the players go through um, basically financial planning classes of like, hey, you're about to make it, you're about to go from $500 a month of your stipend Yep. to fifty thousand dollars a week uh when you get to the NFL. So I think they've took they've taken on a lot of that.
0: Yep, yep. And I know that um had, uh Chris Hogan, uh former kind of radio former radio host on the Ramsey Network and best selling mm-hmm. author and uh kind of a financial coach and he's coached professional athletes and he says he says that it's been very helpful, but he says, you know, he says, I can't tell you, but some of the questions that I'm asked, I can't even believe. Um, And it's, so, I mean, so there's work there and I know like they're bringing in people like that. I'm like, that's good. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so, and, and there are many who are many professional athletes really have heard that message and are doing great work. But, but if you're looking for an interesting book really about all the challenges, I think that a lot of professional athletes face um, in terms of this windfall of money and why do so many end up going broke, uh, new money, staying rich. is, a, is a well, good book.
1: And then the other side, right. You have all the healthcare stuff. That was, that was the big thing that came out with the, with Hamlet was that he hadn't been in the league long enough that like, he likely won't get healthcare coverage later. Like you have to be like, I think you have to be in for like five years to get vested or something like that. Okay. Um, and so it's it, right. Those are all those sorts of complications where like, you could play one year, make the minimum, only get half of that, and then like have like a debilitating injury for the rest of your life. Like those are sorts of things that are just wild. Yeah. Um, but my, I'm going to call it pop culture because it's a book. Because I think this is still media. So I'm going to I'm going to give it a media book is media. Um, me book, book. books are media. I'm going to recommend a uh, Socceronomics. Uh, my sports econ class will be reading this. Uh, this is the latest edition of Socceronomics. They came out with it I think the first time about a decade ago. And they updated it a couple times with World Cups or Olympics. This is the 2022 World Cup edition. So I think, uh, well, it was published last year. But I think the data at least kind of goes up to the end of 2021. And there is a section in here about, it's called happiness, uh, essentially on like why hosting major sporting events, yeah. Olympics and stuff like that uh, makes people happy. So even though it's called socceronomics, it is primarily about soccer. They do talk about a, a bunch of other sports, so they'll reference Moneyball and baseball. They'll talk about the Super Bowl. Yep. They talk about the difference between uh, American football and European football. So it's it's uh, I think it's a really good book. Uh, and uh, Stefan is a sports uh, Stefan is a sports economist. Simon is a journalist. Uh, Stefan is super uh, super knowledgeable about.
0: Uh, oh yeah, that's cool. I've, I've added it to my list. I think I've seen yeah. probably you posting about it, but I. Um but I've, I think I've seen it, but I'm adding it to my queue. I don't, I, you say you, tr- you go for 52 when you read more. I probably yeah. get about half that. I, I think I probably get about a book every other week. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but I, I don't get 52 a year like you do. Well,
1: so. so if you want another sports book, I just started reading this. Um, it's in my signature on my email. So I have to open my email to tell you, uh, actually I remember it now. Um, I just started reading this. I've only read like five chapters, but so far it's been very, very good. And I I think it's going to still finish really, really well. Um, It's called, This Is Your Brain on Sports. It is a behavioral economics cross of sport, like behavioral economics with sports, but it's kind of from the, so far from like the fan's perspective. So like the very, the opening chapter is essentially like, why is it that uh, when you go to a, uh, a sporting event, like if the team is awful, um, n- nobody's cheering. They're just kind of there, but they go wild for like a free t-shirt. Like why do people uh, like jump up and down and run, but they won't do that for the team that they claim that they love, but they'll do it for a shirt that says like, it has like a logo spot. Like you wouldn't have bought the shirt, uh, but you will go wild for the shirt. So it's, it's a nice like behavioral economics sports book. Oh. It's, it's been good so far. Good,
0: good. good. I'll add it to the list. So. Yeah. Any... Closing words of wisdom for for our listeners.
1: Anybody who has made it this far in the podcast, if you have been listening for the past 45 minutes, uh, we need you to click the share button and share this with people and make sure that they, your friends are also listening as well uh, so that that way we can have more people join in with these conversations. I've seen some really interesting stuff on on Twitter. People have started to share and and, and comment back and forth and Matt and I absolutely love that. So
0: that's it's Tagging. i gotta say it's really cool to see people yeah. sharing and pointing out saying hey you gotta go to minute 2026 because yeah. we were talking about this so thank you to everybody who has been tuning in and recommending and uh, we're excited to do this and hope everybody has a wonderful uh, super bowl weekend i hope your team is in it uh mine is <laughs> not i i know that already <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's
1: i guess that's the nice part filming it so early we we know who's not in it. Uh, so by not. the time you're listening to this, we don't know who the teams are. Uh, so please don't fault us for that. As we filmed it weeks before the Super Bowl. We
0: should we should take an iteration where we each say, well, in the Super Bowl, it's these two teams and go through every combination <laughs> and then we'll look really brilliant. But uh, yeah. I think people would see through it. But anyways, uh, thank you to everybody. Um, and we'll see you again in another couple of weeks. Thanks, Matt. Cheers.
1: Thanks. Cheers, Jadrian.